good day to you and welcome to episode 32 of the Ombra Gaming Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Manny, and as always, I'm here with Steve and Matt, two of the most intelligent and fascinating individuals I've ever met. How are you guys doing? I'm doing well. I'm a little startled that we're two of the most intelligent and fascinating people you've met. I feel like you need to broaden your horizons. I, I don't know a lot of people. We're good, but like the most? I don't want to, I'm not, I'm not one to toot my own horn, so. That's why I'm tooting it for you. That's my job here. But, uh, no, I'm doing well. As one of the hosts of the Umber Gaming you know, Podcast. While we're recording, it's getting ready for E3, so I'm excited. That's true. E3 is only a few days away. What about you, man? How are you? Happy Thursday. Thanks. I'm good. <laughs> I'm glad to hear it. <laughs> I was going to say, also, happy pride to everyone. Happy pride to everyone. Yes, you. And you. And also with you. Let me let me start the show off by doing something a little unconventional. I posted a poll on Twitter. I'm going to ask you this question, and I just want a one-word answer. No explanation. Who would win in a wizard battle, Dumbledore or Gandalf the Grey? Gandalf. Just staff and wand. Gandalf. I don't read and or watch Harry Potter, so hard pass. Yikes, hard pass. Yikes. I'm also team Gandalf, so we'll count it as Gandalf wins on this podcast. So with that, let's get the show started. We have a lot of exciting things to talk about on this very fun episode 32 of the Omer Gaming Podcast. We're going to kick it off with another round of Would You Rather, which is one of my favorite games to play, and I'm glad we're coming back to it. And then today's topic of the pod is childhood gaming memories. So we're going to talk about some of the things we remember and cherish and uh, look back on fondly from our childhood and our, and our gaming experiences growing up. And then we will have patch notes where we update you on the gaming news that broke since last we spoke, and then we'll close it out with some community highlights. But before we get to any of that, the house is disgusting. Let's clean it up. First up on housekeeping, please follow us on social media. We are at Ombra underscore gaming on Twitter and at Ombra gaming on Instagram. If you love quippy 180 character, is it 180 characters? It's more than that. No, it's like 200. 60? No, it's like Quippy, 260 characters. It's 280, because it was 140, and they doubled it. If you like Quippy, 280 character jokes and beautiful black and white photos, follow us on those platforms. Uh, You can also find us on Twitch. We are at twitch.tv slash ombra underscore gaming, and you can find us every single day of the week streaming all sorts of fun games and having a fun time. So join us there, because we would love to have you. And if you're so thrilled about hanging out with us on Twitch, you can even hang out with us on Discord. Not only hang out with us, but hang out with our entire community. So if you want to join us on Discord and have a good time and talk about video games, you can find the invite to our Discord link on our Twitter bio. So check us out, join the community, and have some fun, because we have fun people. Next up on Housekeeping, if you want to share your thoughts with us, you can give us a call at 347-509-5620, and you can leave us a voicemail about the podcast, an article, or any gaming news that you want to chat with us about, and we'll play it on the podcast. You'll be famous, maybe. And last up on housekeeping, like I said last episode, folks, we have just launched a Patreon, and if you want to support us there, it would mean the absolute world to us. So you can find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash gaming where you can check out some of the awesome rewards that we're going to be giving to our patrons and really help us grow. Every dollar we get will go directly back into Ombra Gaming and make it all the better uh, for you guys. So if you want to help us grow and if you want to support us, that'd be a really cool way to do it. So now that the house is nice and clean, let's get on with the show. It's time for Would You Rather. 
So pretty basic premise here. If you don't know how to play Would You Rather, you say Would You Rather, and then you pose two scenarios, and the contestants will choose from those scenarios. Pretty simple. All right, first up, Would You Rather have every game you play for the rest of your life be in VR or every game you play for the rest of your life be in top-down Pokemon-style 2D animation. That's hard because I get sick in VR. God damn, this is so similar to one of the ones I have. <laughs> I have to say 2D Pokemon-style because I get sick in VR. If I'm in VR for like longer than 20 minutes, I'm sick. I could probably deal with 2D Pokemon-style. Because I think you can yeah. actually turn a lot of games into that. Because like if you think back, the original Metal Gear games were in that similar style right. too. So I can get down with that. I'm taking 2D Pokemon for the win, Alex. Cool. I would also take 2D Pokemon just because, I don't know, it's, it's more accessible. It's like easier to get into, you know? So that was my first one. Who wants, to go, who wants to go next? So I have one that's very similar to the one you just proposed. So I might as well just get it out of the way next. Uh, okay. Would you rather play vr games where you can actually feel sensations such as pain whoa or only play 8-bit games for the rest of your life does the pain happen to you well you feel it yeah but if i get shot with a bullet am i shot with a bullet in real life no you just feel the pain the sensation There's somebody standing next to you and shoots <laughs> yeah you. <laughs> i think that's just called regular life and you got shot well there's always those sci-fi movies where like Oh, it only happens in the VR. Westworld. It's like Westworld. Wait, so, okay, can I ask some clarifying questions? Sure. I mean, I guess it's, yeah, I mean, it's like unpacking Matt's question, right? So if, if I get shot in the game or if I get stabbed by a sword, I feel the exact same sensation of getting shot in real life, but I'm just not shot? Like, I would feel all that pain? Yeah, you'd feel that, but then you'd also feel other sensations, too. Like, what if you were playing virtual reality, you won the lottery, you feel that elation because you get all those VR bucks. Oh. <laughs> Is there a game called VR, you won the lottery? <laughs> sure, we can make it. You stop at a little bodega on the way to work and you buy a lotto ticket. That's scary futuristic stuff for me. I'm, I'm yeah, 8-bit I'm, world. I'll go that I'm way. I'm 8-bit as well. Yep. I'm going to take the sensations just because uh, I'm going to live on the edge. Well, because if you play VR, I won the lotto. You play the game. You feel amazing. Then you take your VR headset off. You're like, oh, right. My life is trash. You know, like, where's the break? You go back to the VR world, baby. And you just live there. That's a sci-fi movie waiting to happen. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Matt, why don't you go next? Would you rather only be able to open one loot box per month? Oh, with, a, with a random set video game Jesus inside Christ. for the rest of your life, and this is the only way for you to acquire video games, or pay triple for every game you want to purchase. Jesus. Um, I'm going to do the pay triple because money isn't real, George. I'm going to go with... The, lo- the loot box would be... How much? Yeah, how much is the loot box? It would be half the price. So like 30 And bucks. it would be a game... That came out in like the last two years. It wouldn't be like old games. But it could also be a game that came out like last week. Yeah. Could be. Okay. Depends on the loot box percentage chances. Yeah, I'm going to go with pay triple. I don't, I mean like. Then you don't get the excitement of opening a loot box. Steve and I had a little conversation about loot boxes. (laughs) We think the loot box jokes are dead. I'll just keep making them. I don't care. (laughs) I was like, what modes do you play in FIFA? And Matt was like, I play loot box mode. (laughs) <laughs> and we're just like, God damn it, dude. Loot box. Life is like <laughs> wasn't even Life is like a box of loot. You never know what you're gonna get. You open it and you're fucking sad. Alright. Okay, I will go next. Would you rather 
play every game for the rest of your life with motion controls only. Okay, so only movement, like a Wiimote or a Joy-Con. Or play every game for the rest of your life with an old school joystick that has two buttons. <laughs> Gestures. Gestures. You would go. Mo- you would go motion controls. Yeah. Yeah. Because like, what game can you even play now with only two buttons? And a and a stick. Yeah. I mean, you'd suck at everything. It's antiquated, buddy. It's antiquated. Unless you just played fighter games for the rest of your life. I would probably go joystick, to be honest. And like, I guess like the the workaround for how do you play more complicated games. I, like to pick something up or to like reload a gun, it would just be like a complicated series of taps. How about you like aim? red, 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 blue, blue, red, red, or something? You know what I mean? You're, you couldn't play multiplayer on any game that requires aiming. You couldn't play like any of today's games unless it was a Switch game. There you go. Here we are. <laughs> um, Steve, you're up. Would you rather only be allowed to play remastered games for the rest of your life or only be able to play one new game per year? That your parents pick out for you. Can you communicate to your parents? No, no, they pick it out. So I also lose my parents. <laughs> what? Remastered. I'll go remastered. <laughs> you can't. You can communicate with your parents, but not about the video game. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> Steve's like, oh yeah. Also, I shoot both your parents. <laughs> remastered. I just do remastered. Whatever. Are, are they like the games that are? that have come out as remasters or do i get to be like i want to play remastered only the ones that come out like do i get to will it and no you can't will it unless you become a game yeah. developer but i mean let's be real pal <laughs> <That's not> wow <laughs> uh yeah I, i'd probably go remastered as well also fuck you for stealing my parents from me i gave them back <laughs> fine all right matt you're up all right would you rather every time you played a game you have to eat one bag of doritos and down one mountain dew or for the privilege of playing games whenever and not having to do anything, you would just never be able to eat Doritos or soda again. <laughs> I'd go never Doritos and Mandu. This is like the easiest would you rather of all time. I would give up the trash yeah, food I'm... and drink and still enjoy the video games. <laughs> there are other chips. Yeah, no, I second that. There are other drinks. <laughs> That's true. Guess I'm yeah. an idiot. For liking (laughs) sweet and spicy Doritos. (laughs) Fuck me, right? I will say, I would miss the spicy nacho Doritos because that shit is amazing. Some of Doritos flavors are really fucking delicious. Okay, I'm next. Here we go. Would you rather have a professional shoutcaster shoutcast every game you play forever? (laughs) That's a good one. Or all the game music in every game you play forever is the Pokemon battle music oh, no. which i will cut into this episode here can you mute the music like you normally would in a video game you cannot mute the music and you also cannot mute the shoutcaster i'll take the pokemon battle music the shoutcaster would probably get a little annoying after a while and the chip tune pokemon battle music for every game in every scene forever won't uh, nah because like i played a lot of pokemon growing up and that never really got old I mean, I think I'd take the shoutcaster. You want some person just shouting at you all the time? Shoutcasters don't actually shout most of the time, right? No, they're they're like an Overwatch sportscaster. Yeah, I'd take that guy. Yeah, I think I would too. At the very least, it would make me feel really cool. Then you'd have one friend. (laughs) Matt, we're your friends. All right. What do we got? One more for each of you guys? Steve, go ahead. You're up. All right. I actually really like my last one a lot. 
Would you rather have to throw a Pokeball at anyone you ever want to take on a date or be followed by Meowth on every single date you go on? What if you're what if it's online dating? Then when you meet for the first date, you have to throw a Pokeball at them before you actually go into whatever date setting you're going into. If you're going into dinner, you meet them at the door, you throw it at it, be like, thanks for the date, and see if they stick around. I'd throw the Pokeball at them. Uh, I'd go Meowth. You Whoa! Following you Absolutely. all the time. Meowth is weird. I would go Meowth because it would just make for a really interesting date. I'd be like, "Oh, it's so good to meet you." And this is my cat Meowth, and he'd be like, "That's right," or like whatever he says, right? And <laughs> yeah, that'd, that'd be, be awesome. the fucking worst. But he's not yeah. actually a cat. He'd be like a freakish creature that follows you around. Yeah, I'd go with it. I'd choose the Pokeball because you'd throw it at someone, and it would be really awkward. But if the person could like go with it and roll and just be like all right this is a thing that's gonna happen but casual about it then i think that's probably a person worth being with see I also if you can agree. find if you can go on a date with if you can go on a date with a gamer they'd probably think it's awesome yeah true. that's also true but they would also think my mouth is awesome well i'm allergic to cats so fuck mouth i don't want him hanging around <laughs> that's fair also so say you do that on your first date and then you keep dating and you, you throw it at them every once in a while but you don't like say anything, right? You just throw the pokeball at them. Then when you propose, you have the pokeball <laughs> with you, with the ring inside, and you open it up and you say, "I choose you." Oh, After man. all those years, I choose you. See, and Manny could just have Meowth be like, "He wants to marry you." <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Which is equally as romantic. All right, Matt, you're up. Time to round it out. What's your last one? Would you rather only be able to play all PC games with a controller or only be able to play all console games with a keyboard and mouse for the rest of your life? Uh, PC games with a controller. Yeah. Because I'd get the better graphics and the better performance, but then I could play it the way I want to play it. Yeah, I'd take that. I would definitely take that. I mean, like, technically, you can play all PC games with a controller. It's just not advisable. Yeah, you could probably play console games with a keyboard and mouse if you really if you really wanted to. I'm sure you could figure it out. Yeah, I'd, I'd stick to keyboard and mouse. That's because you're a PC boy. All right, cool, guys. Well, if you have any would-you-rathers that you want to run by us, let us know. Give us a call at 347-509-5620. I'll tell you what, the next person that calls us and leaves us a voicemail with a good would-you-rather, we'll just play it on the next podcast and we'll talk about it. We'll dedicate an entire five-minute segment to your would-you-rather if you call in. And as long as it's appropriate. Don't make anything crazy now. So let's move on to the topic of the pod, which, as I stated, is childhood gaming memories. So this is going to be pretty informal, just like most of our discussions here. And yeah, let's just talk about some of the memories we have growing up playing our favorite games. And um, and yeah, let's tell some stories. Who wants to go first? One that I'll mention is of the Sega Genesis, but I, I'm just mentioning it because I do believe I talked about it on one of our earlier podcasts of the Lion King video game. Ooh, yeah. And my the clearest memory I have of it is literally just the very first level. And so the Sega Genesis was the first console that my family ever owned. And there's just that first level where you're just bopping on rocks as a little Simba. You're squashing bugs and that smooth music is playing in the background. I can just remember it so clearly. And only that first level. I mean, I like I know the other levels and there's like the monkeys that throw you around and you have to get to the end on the giraffe's heads. But I just 
remember that first level a lot. I think that's probably my earliest memory of a video game, like playing a video game, I think. That's the one I could think of, uh, and I know I mentioned it on a different podcast. Well, I, I like to think about like what it would be like to go back in time with a PS4 and go to like little Matt, for example, and be like, hey, you think Lion King is cool. How about this? And then like put on like God of War or something <laughs> just to like destroy your little eight-year-old Well, I feel brain. like that would be a little aggressive to show an eight-year-old. It's God of War. Well, hey, Scar <laughs> dies. Oh, no, not Scar. Uh, uh, Mufasa. Well, Scar does die as well. Spoilers of the Lion King. Murdered. I don't, I don't, I don't know if any of my listeners have seen the Lion King, but spoilers. Scar's my spirit animal. Scar as a character. I could Scar. see that. I could definitely see that. So that's one of them. That's so I wanted to give that like an honorable mention. Uh, then I have two others that I was thinking of that I think about. One is Unreal Tournament. Oh man, which is like. Yeah. Probably the first competitive shooter I ever played. And that came out like 99 or 2000. And I remember playing that because, and the reason I played it is because my dad had it. Because he would play with his like work friends. What? Yeah. Which is like, you know that episode of The Office where Jim's in, in the other regional office and they're all playing. Yep. Uh, Call of Duty. I don't think he'd play in the office, but he would play like after work with them and stuff. That's and so, so then I like I would watch and then I started playing and I was really good at it, at least from what I remember. I don't know if I was actually really good at it, but I do uh, just remember getting really into the competitive shooter team based yeah. aspect of it. Did you ever play Unreal Tournament 2004? I did. It's it's just like, not as good. Oh, man. That was like the classic for me. Yeah, and the, um, I mean, there were some great maps, obviously, capture the flag maps and, and things like mm -hmm. that. But yeah, I think that was like really just the first multiplayer shooter game that I ever played and played like fairly consistently, right? You should like interview your dad about that. You should be like, how did you get into it? Like, who did you that's play That's a good with? idea. Like, I like? should do that. Um, That'd be really cool. That's also where I got my moniker eagle eye wow yeah i remember that article it's one of the characters it was like had the a, second article or third yeah, article. scar over his eye and i was super yeah. creative fun fact a lot of the team at psionics which are the folks behind rocket league came from unreal tournament oh really um, that's interesting yeah especially like unreal tournament in 2004 where they had a lot of the vehicle combat mm. that like sort of inspired rocket league oh um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I remember the vehicles. I remember the thing with the, the hover craft and you would press right click and it would go burr, and it would burr, squat, squish yeah. people. Or the uh I think they were called scorpions. They had like blades that came out the side and you can like chop people as you drove past. Then I had another one. Yeah, yeah. What was the other one? I have two more. One of them is Age of Mythology, which is a great real time strategy game. It was made by Microsoft after Age of Empires. Um, it was their first RTS where they shifted into like the 3D models. I and mean, you could play Greece or Egypt or the Norse. And then they had an expansion where you could play the Atlanteans. And I remember I had a birthday party when I was in middle school that was a sleepover. And everyone brought a computer. So like an old school big ass laptop that had Age of Mythology on it, and we played it in, in my living room. So I was at, like, the desk, and then everyone was on the floor, and I'm pretty sure Matt O was there, the Matt O, my other friend Matt, and then I, I think a few other people. 
And we all just played like Age of Mythology in my living room at night. That's really And funny. it was just so much fun. And that's how Umber Gamers started. Yeah, all the way back then. All the way back then, yeah. Um, so that was like my earliest RTS memory was just that game, Age of Mythology. And then my last memory, which I guess is like late middle school into high school, would be World of Warcraft. I feel like when you talk about nostalgia in video gaming, for anyone who played vanilla World of Warcraft, that's probably at the top of their list just because, yeah, there was like EverQuest and things before that, but that was for an audience that was a little bit older than we were. And World of Warcraft sort of came out right when we were like really into gaming, if you weren't into gaming at that age. And uh, right, right. It was just so much different from the games that I had played at the time. And there was just like a huge world to explore, all these different races you could be, um, the character customization, even though it was like pretty basic compared to today, all the questing. It was just like, yeah, I guess you're sort of right, Steve. Just like a coming of age into the world of video games and like World of Warcraft was this giant world, literally world that you could just- <laughs> Of Warcraft. No, that a world that you could just get lost in, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And especially like the turning point, like when it actually first launched, like Vanilla Warcraft. <laughs> Vanilla Warcraft. Vanilla so, World of that Warcraft. That sounds like a Ben and Jerry's flavor. Vanilla Wow. It's Vanilla Warcraft. <laughs> Vanilla Warcraft. That's actually a great fucking marketing idea. Vanilla There's Wow. There's real bullet shells in it. No, it's just called Vanilla <laughs> Wow, and it's like vanilla with shit in it. That's a great marketing. You should send that over yeah. to Blizzard. Um, yeah, like especially like when it first launched, like being a part of that, because obviously it's like a huge phenomenon and it's such a part of gaming culture, but... I mean, I never got into it when it first came out, nor am I into it now, but I feel like that would have been really cool. Yeah, I think, I don't want to say it was special, but it was like definitely something unique for yeah. sure that was like really interesting to experience. And I know if you talk to like Perks, who's in our Discord community, he'll say like very similar stuff about it too. And and most people who played Vanilla WoW, I imagine, would also say similar things. And especially like not knowing how popular it was going to become. Like, that's kind of cool, too. Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of, like, hype around it, too, with, like, Warcraft 3 being really good um, and stuff like that. I remember seeing ads in, like, comic books and stuff, too, and being like, oh, that looks cool. Yeah, and uh, I feel like we, all of us, uh, including, like, Christine and Matt, all often talk about, like, the importance of music in gaming. And, uh, yeah, I feel like we're all people that really appreciate the soundtrack of a game, and I feel like... All of the Warcraft soundtracks, especially the first ones, they're just so good. The opening theme music, when you even open up the game for the for the login theme, just brings you right back. Um, and yeah, that's that's my last one. Nice. Sounds like you had a lovely childhood. Steve, why don't you go next? Tell us about your gaming childhood memories. All right, so I've broken it up into three separate gaming childhood segments. Or the early days middle days of childhood and then early teens i guess first and foremost my earliest childhood gaming memory is of course blowing into the nintendo cartridge to make it work it never failed it always worked although it was a little bit questionable that you had to blow into the cartridge every time you put it in however it still worked we just don't have technology like that these days and then so i only played nintendo a little bit when i was younger because when i was first born i was the youngest of three kids so my brother had already been playing video games and he had played a lot of nintendo so i played a little bit of that when i was growing up but very early on we got a sega genesis and that's where i spent the majority of my time before i hit like eight or nine 
Uh, I was playing a lot of Sega Genesis, and I was always blown away by how cool it was that you could put Sonic 1 or 2 into the Sonic and Knuckles cartridge and then play Knuckles in those levels. I thought that was amazing. Um, I played a ton of Sonic growing up, and then I also played a lot of sports games like Madden, NHL, um, World Series Baseball back on the old Genesis. One of the most inadvertently funny memories of gaming was back when we used to have to rent video games from Blockbuster, which was always a fun time. Oh my I, like, god. Oh my yeah. god. I loved that. Yeah. Yeah, it honestly sucks that like the next generations will never understand the thrill of like going to Blockbuster on a Friday night and your parents are like, pick what you want to get. And you're like, oh my god, I can pick whatever yeah. I want. That was amazing. And so like we had rented World Series Baseball in 96, which was an upgrade. I had like the original World Series Baseball game and my mom accidentally brought the original one back. So she basically upgraded my World Series Baseball game for like six bucks. So thanks, mom. Shout out to you. It was a nice move on her part. So Sega was a big part of my early gaming experience. I had played a ton of Sonic I did dabble with Street Fighter. Like, I didn't really play a lot of fighting games. Like, I was never huge into Mortal Kombat until, uh, like, we talked about last podcast where I played Deadly Alliance on PS2. But I did love Street Fighter. I was definitely more of a Street Fighter fan than a Mortal Kombat fan. And I definitely prefer the Street Fighter movie over the Mortal Kombat movie because it has Jean-Claude Van Damme. As I got a little bit older, we finally upgraded to PlayStation. So Sega kind of fell to the wayside. PlayStation came out, and it was the best. And that's when I got my hands on Metal Gear Solid. And let me tell you, we've talked about it in the past, how Metal Gear Solid has had such a big impact on my gaming, just my gaming experience, my gaming life, whatever you want to call it. But the first time I played Metal Gear Solid, I was absolutely blown away. Because before that game, I was really only playing like 2D platformers, like kind of fun, maybe like racing games, but a lot of sports games. I wasn't really playing these in-depth, story-driven, uh, complex type of games and metal gear solid blew me away i actually today was just going through ign had this article like all of sony's e3 press conferences so i was going through like all of them from like 1995 on and i watched the e3 trailer for metal gear solid and it was absolutely hilarious how they showed so much shit that you just could not ever do in that game but I remember, like, the first time you step out of water, you're like, holy shit, my footprints show up. And then you walk into snow, like, oh my god, these guards can see my footprints and follow them to me and figure out that I'm here. Holy shit, I can knock on this thing and distract that guard, and then I can run the other way, and he doesn't even know I'm there. Like, all of these little things that were thrown in, it seems so simple now, but at the time, it was mind-blowing to me i was like i've never seen a game like this because i had played resident evil but we all know resident evil is a completely different style where it had that fixed camera every time you go into a different room the camera shifts and like the screen pauses for a minute and it was very playing resident evil like one and two now or one two and three now it's so primitive like i tried to play the resident evil director's cut because it came i think it was on ps plus free one month and so I have it downloaded, and I try to fire it up again. I was like, this game fucking sucks. <laughs> like, like, yeah, this it's really hard to go back to. It's enjoyable. But Metal Gear Solid just hit on everything. It had a very interesting plot. The action sequences were phenomenal. I loved how it was so segmented where there's boss battles at certain kind of checkpoints. Every time you call Mei Ling to save, she always had some ancient Chinese wisdom to bestow upon Snake. And then there were those couple of times where her and Snake would hit on each other. And you're like, oh, what's going to happen here? And like nothing because Snake is an insecure little boy. So Metal Gear Solid basically shaped what I was looking for in a game moving forward. 
I wanted that more immersive experience. I wanted a more story-driven experience. And that's probably why I love single-player games so much now. I love to kind of get wrapped up into a really good story. I like an interactive environment. And then obviously with the way Metal Gear Solid progressed, it just kind of solidified the reason as to why that first game was so important to me. Because as those games grew, so did I as a gamer, which was, it's kind of like one of those like symbiotic relationships. It's very nice. But another thing I remember about that, uh, the PlayStation 1, is playing Resident Evil 2. It was mostly like playing it and also kind of watching my brother play it at the time. But because of how you had to save in Resident Evil, where you had to find a typewriter, I remember there was one particular day where we were so far into it, but we couldn't get to a typewriter, that we just left the PlayStation on the entire day when we were at school, so we could go back and just pick up where we were. Oh, and, just, and we were just hoping our dad wouldn't like go downstairs and be like, why is this on? And like, turn it off. So I actually, fun fact, I also had a PlayStation. It was my second console what? ever. Yeah. Did you ever play Twisted Metal? Of course, yeah. Oh, yeah. Love Twisted yeah. Metal. I fucking love Twisted Metal. Twisted Metal Black on the Twisted PS2 Metal. is actually one of my favorite games. Yeah. I still have Twisted Metal Black on my PS3, actually. I thought the the story vignettes for all of the characters in Twisted Metal Black were some of the best little stories in gaming. It was absolutely incredible. Yeah, that was really cool. To see how they gave all of these just maniacal race car drivers who beat the shit out of each other and kill each other just these incredible backstories. All right, so to round it all off, after PlayStation 1, early teen years, I finally got my hands on PlayStation 2 and it was fantastic. One of the one of like the best games on PS2 that we talked about on the episode we did with Orlando, Armored Core 2. Oh, hell yeah. I love Armored Core. What's Armored Core? I've never heard of that. You've never heard of Armored Core? You've never heard of Armored Core? Really? I wouldn't say that. If I didn't mean it. From software, baby. Well, yeah, because we talked about the games, like difficult games on that podcast, which maybe we could actually redo I wasn't that on topic that one. since no one heard it. Yeah, no one heard that topic. It got scrapped. <laughs> oh, yeah. So Armored Core 2, it's all about you basically build your own mech robot and like you have to rank up your robot and like you can fight in arena, you can do missions and it was a blast. Me and my friends all played it and there was an awesome arena mode and there were like 50 people you had to beat and like the top 10 were some of the hardest. So it was actually one of those like really challenging Sounds games. Sounds kind of like you... a battle royale. Oh, get the fuck out of here. It is not a battle royale. <laughs> it was one-on-one combat with 50 other people. So it was you had to put a lot of time into it. So uh, that's but it was a blast a battle to like, royale rank up is like rank up your mech and try to get them better and then to see what weapons would work and like unlock better weapons. I haven't gone back to that series since then, but I've heard that they might be trying to bring it back. And if they do, I'm all in. There's rumbling about it. Did you play Mech Assault? I did not. I did not. Armored Core, like I put a ton of time into Armored Core 2 and that kind of ate up my uh, that itch I had for mech combat. In Armored Core, did you ever use a weapon called the Moonlight? It was like a big blue laser sword. No, no, no. I was always uh, there was uh, there was one particular gun I'd always use. It began with a K. I can't think of it now. So the there's a weapon in in Armored Core called the Moon. It's like a laser blade. It's called Moonlight, and From Software has put it in all of the Dark Souls games too. There's a weapon called the Moonlight Greatsword. Which is like a little nod to their Armored Core days. Fun fact. Well, if Dark they, Souls yeah. lore. Yeah, if they want to throw another Armored Core at me, I'll definitely dabble in that. And to finish yeah. it all off, the best times I had on PS2 were playing SOCOM 3. I had like a small group of friends who I remember this one summer we'd play like every night from like 11 p.m. to like 2 in the morning and just going nuts on SOCOM 3. And it was such a blast. And that's what kind of got me into the tactical shooter gameplay. 
but still there's never been a better socom game since then like well combined assault was good but it was really just like a combination like three and two pretty much but those first three socom games were the absolute best and then that studio zipper interactive just closed so i don't think we'll ever see another socom game which is such a shame because those shooters were some of the best i ever played in my life and those are my childhood memories it was a good childhood a lot of games a lot of fun times a lot of broken controllers, but hey. Got to crack a few eggs to make an omelet. Game, gaming omelet. So one of my earliest gaming memories is also on the Super Nintendo. Although I guess you were talking about the original NES, right, Steve? Yeah. Yeah, so I grew up playing the SNES with my older brother. And that's when like that's when we got into Mortal Kombat. And so my older brother was obviously like much better than me at Mortal Kombat. I was probably like six which is like way too early for any child to be getting into Mortal Kombat. But I don't know. That's what older brothers are for, I guess. Um, And so he was obviously like way better than me. And he would, but he would like let me win and make me feel good about myself. And then my sister, one of my older sisters got into it too. And she would only play Melina and she would only do this move that like physics wise doesn't work in real life. But Melina would like roll up into a ball like fire down screen and she would go off the screen and then she would come back up from the top of the screen on the other side and like cannonball into you and it's like unblockable and like yeah and so she would just spam that move over and over again um and that was really frustrating uh and so that (laughs) was definitely one of my first if not the first gaming memory i have and that's sort of mixed with like playing mist on my dad's computer and also playing like wolfenstein 3d on my dad's computer um, which was really fun. I played Mist on um, my cousin's computer. Played a lot of Wolfenstein 3D on the yeah. computer as well. And then I remember also playing this game called Marathon. It was an old Bungie game, I believe. And I th- I want to say that Halo took some inspiration from it because it was like you're on an alien ship in space and some of the combat mechanics were pretty similar. Um, and so I have that kind of in, in my gaming memory as well. But then sort of moving until you know moving forward when i was a little bit older i remember playing a ton of mortal kombat on the gamecube with my friend robert um growing up robert um actually so it's funny i sent him a facebook message like right before we started recording and i was like like i haven't talked to this guy in like a decade or more and we're friends on facebook and i was like hey man i I just want to tell you about this thing i'm doing and i told him about like over gaming and the podcast and i was like a lot of what i like think about and and what i you know get inspiration from is like when we used to play like mortal Kombat all the time on the gamecube or on the or like n64 games or whatever and he sent me a really nice message back It it was awesome but and so yeah i remember playing deadly alliance with him on the gamecube and one of us had the gamewinners.com web page printed out and we would complete fights on mortal Kombat, and then the other person would read the sequence that you would need to input to do an to do a fatality yeah mm. and I, so like uh... after winning a fight he'd be like up down ab left right lr and i would be like <laughs> click 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 and then we would like lose our shit when it happened because like raiden would pick the guy up above his head and like electrocute him until he's toast or something i right? remember wasting um, a lot of my parents printer ink to print that out as well <laughs> yeah yeah exactly (laughs) um and then like of course there would be all there there'd be so many of those times where like we wouldn't get it right and instead of doing like an awesome fatality Raiden would just be like punch and the person (laughs) would die and we'd be like oh no like we got to start over and then we like hours and hours um of playing that game and like just trying to get all the fatalities and then on trying to unlock the new characters and then find their fatalities and and we would do back and forth and um yeah i just have a lot of memories of that 
And then, like, also, like, a huge part of, like, pretty much all of my gaming memories as a kid was, like, bringing memory cards. Like, when I go over Robert's house, I bring my memory card. I yep. bring my controller, right? Um, I remember, like, bringing controllers oh to people's God. houses you remember, and shit like that. Do you yeah. remember the fucking multiplayer adapter? Yeah, yeah, it was, like, a brick with a bunch of ports in right. it. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's what it was. But, like, a lot of, like, game cases had a little slot where you could yep. clip the... You could like stick the memory card into, so you could have the game and the memory card in the same case oh, and like yeah. bring it to your friend's house. They um, were fucking. And so I remember doing a lot of that. Megabytes. That's how big they were. <laughs> yeah. That's insane. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And then like I remember when he got the WaveBird, which is like one of the first wireless controllers for the GameCube. I think probably one of the first on the market, like across all consoles, but. That was amazing and mind-blowing, and it was, like, the size of a shoe. Like, it was just gigantic because it had a separate power source and all this shit, um, and that was really cool. And then one of the most, like, I think intense gaming memories I have as a kid was playing Call of Duty The Finest Hour on the GameCube. Um, so The Finest Hour was the first Call of Duty on console. So it, it was essentially Call of Duty 2, but Call of Duty 1 was only on PC. So it came out in North America in 2004, um, and so I was like 13, no, I was 14 at the time. And I remember I was at my dad's house and the opening sequence of this game was like a documentary. It was like a guy narrating over like scenes from World War II and like, you know, the allied forces fighting against the Nazis and all this. So, and, and it was like one of the first war games that I had played, if not the first like war simulation games that I played. And I remember shutting the door. It was a Saturday morning. I remember closing the door in my room, shutting off my lights, and sitting at a TV that was like maybe 25 inches. It was a small-ass TV. And it was like, you know, an old-school TV was huge, right, Uh, in terms of like its width. And I played the entire game in one day. And so I just like sat in that room. The volume was like cranked up all the way high no lights just like doing this really cinematic experience of like going to war and like feeling really victorious and like i remember leaving that room and just like feeling tired and like worn down by like not seeing daylight you go to the va and start applying for benefits (laughs) (laughs) like i was just so beaten down by war after that experience you came out smoking (laughs) and you had like tattoos on your arms (laughs) yeah i had like a pack of cigarettes like folded into my sleeve and I was talking about men that I had lost. Um, but it, it, yeah, I mean, like, it was one of the first, like, cinematic gaming experiences that I had. Um, and, like, I was I was watching some of the clips from that game um, just before we started recording, and it was so bad. I mean, the graphics were great for the time, but, like, for some reason, like, all of the American officers were, like, all from New York. Like, they all had New York accents. It was really funny. Like, they would be, like, going to war, and they'd be like, we got to take this bridge down from the Nazis. Hey. <laughs> like, like they're, like the developers were like, we got to make all the American soldiers from New York because that's the ultimate symbol of the United States, I guess. And so, I don't know. It was, it was funny looking back on it. But at the time, I was like, wow, this game is, like, so deep. I don't know. I remember, like, leaving that room being like, games are fucking cool, man. And my dad being like, have you seen any sunlight today or... That's like us looking back on Metal Gear Solid now. Like, yeah, it was amazing at the time, but come on. It is one of the funniest right. fucking games. And not like in this... It's, it wasn't meant to be funny. <laughs> like, that's the thing. It's like go, right. going back it's and It's ha-ha, we're it. laughing at you, <laughs> yeah. Kojima, not with you. <laughs> so, yeah, those were some of my, my earlier gaming memories. Games are cool. Games continue to be cool. I, I, I make memories every single day with video games. Can I give an honorable mention really quick? 
Of course. Yeah, absolutely. I was thinking about it as we were talking too, like, oh, what other memories do I have? And there's this game called Wacky Wheels, which I'm holding a picture up to the camera. And it is like clearly based on Mario Kart or Super Mario Kart. (laughs) And we, me and my sister, it was installed on this like extra computer we had in the basement. And so me and my sister would like go down to the basement and play Wacky Wheels split screen multiplayer (laughs) on one keyboard so like her controls would be like wasd and my controls would be the arrows and we would play wacky wheels together in the basement on this like old ass computer when i was really young i'll read you yeah i'll read you the wiki wacky wheels is in ms dos arcade (laughs) cart racing video game released by apogee software in 94 the game strongly resembles super mario kart from the Super NES, but the carts are described as lawnmowers, and the eight playable characters are animals from a zoo. Because I was like, what is really the earliest video game memory? I think that's it. Me and my sister would go into the basement on this old Apple computer that was like gray, and it just it was just so old. And we would play Wacky Wheels on the computer on one keyboard. And to turn on the monitor, it was like a toggled key. Yeah, it was a toggled key, and, and then it would go like, it would take like yeah. forever to, to turn on. Yeah. Apparently, Wacky Wheels Wacky Wheels is on Steam. The original Wacky Wheels? The original Wacky Wheels is on wow. Steam. That was a good trip down memory lane. That was a good trip down memory lane. If any of our listeners uh, want to share some of their early video gaming memories, we would love to hear them. Yeah. Uh, give us a call at 347-509-5620 and tell us you know, what your gaming upbringing was like and some of the memories that you have growing up playing video games. Yeah, I'd I'd love to hear people's memories for sure. So let's keep the show going. It's time for this segment where we update you on the gaming news that broke since last we spoke. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Patch Notes. So for Patch Notes, what month is it? Six. It's the sixth (laughs) month. So this is Patch Notes 6.7.18. So I'm going to kick it off with a little bit of news about Hitman 2 coming this November. Uh, Hitman. So this is coming from a Polygon article written by Michael McWhorter. Hitman 2 is coming to PlayStation 4, Windows PC, and Xbox One later this, this year, developer IO Interactive and publisher Warner Bros. Interactive Entertainment announced today. The sequel to 2016's Hitman will arrive November 13th and will continue Agent 47's legacy. An announcement trailer for Hitman 2 featuring a voiceover from actor Sean Bean and showcasing some of Agent 47's stealthy assassination methods uh, can be seen above, blah, blah, blah. Um, New locations for this sequel include Miami, home to an international motorsport race. Hitman 2 will include six new locations from, quote, sun-drenched streets to dark and dangerous rainforests. Uh, The article goes on to say, Hitman 2 will introduce new ways to play and new game modes and new features according to the game's official description. And this includes a new Sniper Assassin mode that features cooperative multiplayer for two players. Sniper Assassin is available to play now as a pre-order incentive for Hitman 2. So very exciting for stealth fans and Hitman fans, of which I am a massive one. Yeah, really, really exciting. It's interesting because the the story of Hitman is very tumultuous, um, and it was like, kind of on its deathbed a few years ago there's a really interesting sort of mini documentary done by super bunny hop that i'll put in the show notes so the story of hitman's really interesting but i think 
it kind of did need to reinvent itself and it really looks like from this trailer that they're trying to do exactly that how it'll play out I don't know, but I'm really excited. I love the fact that the sniper assassin mode is cooperative. Like that's pretty cool. I imagine like one person, what I'm anticipating is that like one person does the sort of detective work, right? So they're like, okay, we're looking for a, uh, a white man with a hat and he's wearing this color shirt and you know, he is, has a drinking problem. So maybe you're looking at the bar or something. And the other person is actually, you know, using the sniper rifle. So I feel like that's pretty cool. It also seemed like uh, in the trailer, which I will also put in the show notes, there are like different assassins. Um, so I assume players can choose different kinds of folks to play as the assassins in these in these stories. Uh, but yeah, I'm excited. I have always really enjoyed Hitman. I played all of them except for the most recent one. Um, I was also a huge fan of Hitman Go, which is the um, iOS game, the mobile game, which is really fun. So yeah, I mean, more Hitman is a good thing in my opinion. And like reinvented Hitman sounds even better. So I'm very excited. I, I might consider pre-ordering just so I can get this sniper assassin mode early. I'll, I'll have to see what people are saying about it first though. It sounds very cool though. And it seems like this game is giving you even more tools and letting you come from different angles. Um, plus like as soon as I heard Ned Stark's voice uh, on that trailer, I was like, this is great. This is going to be fantastic. So that's my patch notes. Really excited. More Hitman for me is a great thing. So keep them coming. I look forward to November. Uh, Matt, why don't you go next? What do you have for patch notes? My patch notes happens to be about Valve, uh, which is the company behind such hits as the Half-Life series. And so this, uh, the particular article I'm drawing from is from GameSpot and from Jordan Ramey. I don't know how to say his last name. There's two E's involved. Uh, Valve makes big change to what games are allowed on Steam. And I'm just going to read a little excerpt. Uh, Valve no longer has to make difficult decisions in regards to which games go live on Steam. In a blog post, Valve's Eric Johnson wrote that from now on, Valve would simply let everything go live with the exception of, quote, things that we decide are legal or straight up trolling. Kind of vague. Uh, Yeah, I'm like actually (laughs) stunned. Uh, in terms of me being like a member of the gaming community and this is how this representative of Valve is phrasing sort of a major decision in terms of what is allowed onto the Steam store. It's like, can you respect us a little bit more and tell us exactly what your criteria are? Like things we deem legal? Are you the authority? Like how do you deem if it's legal or not? Like the law would deem that. Like... What? I don't know. It's sort of an odd statement, and, and it, it comes after the whole controversy about them allowing a school shooter simulator onto yeah. the Steam store, which was whoever's desk that crossed was a massive mistake. Also, the, the Super Seducer game as well. There was controversy around that. Uh, so one of the quotes I wanted to mention from his, artic- uh, for, from his blog post uh, is this, quote, The harsh reality of this space that lies at the root of our dilemma is that there's absolutely no way we can navigate it without making some of our players really mad, end quote. Yeah, you allowed a school shooter simulator onto your store. Your fix for that is to allow everything onto the store? It's pretty upsetting because I think a similar thing, it's it's just like YouTube right? Where it's like, we are a space for content creators to put their shit out there and to sell it and to connect with new people who want to consume their content. And we, we are a platform. We are, we're an outlet for content creators. But at the same time, it's like that 
gives you steam youtube whatever it is the responsibility to create guidelines i mean twitch has recently changed their community guidelines too right so i think if you're going to allow a platform for community for content creators to like share their work with the world like you do need to have guidelines and you do need to put these these very clear uh, expectations and you need to establish those like in the offset yeah and saying things like we're gonna put everything unless we think it's illegal or trolling like trolling is a horrible standard to use because like how is that defined are you is it trolling to you steam like what's the break there um there's also this game it's called agony i don't encourage anybody to check it out because it looks awful um it's like this it, it, the sort of pitch for it is like a trip into hell and it's it's this like horror game where you i think you actually go to hell some like version of hell and there's scenes of rape there's scenes of killing babies there's like abuse of women there's like all this awful awful shit and they got a lot of backlash for it and so in response to that the developers released a video of all the stuff they had to cut from the game and saying like, hey, if you still want to see all that disgusting shit we want to put in the game, watch this video. And so like, I hope that has no place on Steam. I, I, I don't know if they're on Steam right now, but it's like things like that, they do need to be regulated. Yeah, his, his direct quote is, with that principle in mind, we've decided that the right approach is to allow everything onto the Steam store except for things that we decide, yeah, literally like Steve said, except for things that we decide are illegal or straight up trolling. Taking this approach allows us to focus less on trying to police what should be on Steam and more on building these tools to give people control over what kinds of content they see. Yeah, man, that's it's nuts. It's just really frustrating. I feel it's like just... you have to take responsibility for the platform that you're building. It's a very hands-off approach where they're basically just saying, like, listen, put whatever you want out there, and if we get enough of a backlash, then maybe we'll do something about it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He also says, like, oh, yeah, laws vary around the world, and that's, like, part of his defense. It's like, yeah, I could go to a lot of countries and be murdered because I'm gay, so you're going to allow, like, games on there where they just murder gay people because it's allowed in some countries across the planet? And I really hope that it's, that the Nintendo eShop takes a different approach because we're seeing a similar phenomenon happen in that every Thursday there's a whole dump of trash games on the Nintendo eShop, and so... I get it. We want to have a platform and we want to have these outlets for especially the smaller studios and indie developers to get their work out. But at the same time, like we do need to have standards. Nintendo has to have standards. Steam has to have standards, both like quality. Like I'm not, I agree with you, Steve. I don't want to say like, Oh, your game is bad mechanics. We're not going to allow it. But like, there's gotta be, I mean, I'm sure there is something that like clearly defines a minimum viable product for a game that can be on the eShop or steam, but like we have to have guidelines and if we don't, we're just going to choke on shitty games every Thursday. You know? I think the uh, – I forgot who, who mentioned it, either either Manny or Steve, the only two people I'm with. It's a good guess. The, uh, like, the, like the Twitch community guidelines, like they they need a baseline yeah. something, you know? I, exactly. And I think that's a good exactly. model to look to. Yeah. Anyway, we'll see how it goes. Steam, get your shit together, please. All right, Steve, uh, round it off. I'm going to round it What do you off. got for news? I have some exciting news. I have some exciting news. This is actually going back to our E3 podcast where I I had talked about Days Gone 
and I was saying you can't release this game anywhere near The Last of Us 2 and it sounds like that is exactly the case because February 22nd, 2019 They heard they us. They heard us. Days gone. They listened to us. They Sony listened. Bend was like I got you guys. We're going to release it in February which is a perfect time to release a game because you go through the year end. October, November that's when a lot of big games get released. December, January kind of a lull. February Boom. You get everybody's eyes on you early in the year. All of a sudden you get people talking about you because nothing else is coming out. And also, I do think at E3, by the time people listen to this, E3 will already happen. But I'm still saying that I think at E3 we get a Last of Us 2 release date. And I think it's going to be in early summer of 2019. So I like how you're keeping these separate because, again, like I had mentioned, they're too similar and Last of Us is already established. Days Gone is a new IP. It needs to gain steam. So you can't release these two together because people will just compare them. And no matter how good Days Gone can be, it'll never compare to The Last of Us. We already know The Last of Us is good. We already know Naughty Dog produces quality content time after time after time. So we know The Last of Us 2 is going to be a great game. Like, without even picking it up, without even seeing an actual live demo, I know The Last of Us 2 is going to be a great game. I don't know that about Days Gone. However, this new trailer they released looked phenomenal. And the whole theme of it is the world is going to come for you. So it's not just the enemy factions of humans that you have to contend with. It's not just the horde of zombies. It's animals in the wild. Like there was a scene where he was, Deacon was trapped in a car and it was literally like a scene from Hitchcock's The Birds and crows were just swarming around the car, pecking at the windshield. And that is so intriguing to me because this is a completely different take on the post-apocalyptic world where now you have to deal with the entire environment. It's not just dickhead humans who are like, oh, this is my way now. New world order. It's not just crazy zombies that are going to try to eat you at every turn. It's quite literally every single thing you have to watch out for. Yeah, it really branches off of cliches, which is what you need in that kind of game. And I do love how the motorcycle is a big part of the game because, I, like I've said before, it's very akin to Mad Max where I loved how you got to rank up the car to to fit your style. Like, if you wanted it to be a speed racer, it could. But if you wanted that motherfucker to be a tank and rip through other cars, you can make that too. So I like how you can basically build the motorcycle to your fitting. A lot of people have kind of lost hope on Days Gone because they, I feel like they're just like, ah, oh, we haven't, you know, heard much about it. You know, it got this big bump last year but we haven't seen much but literally every single person in the game media excuse me every single person in games media who i've read or seen play this game they have nothing but good things to say like yeah they have their critiques but overall their experience has been very positive so i'm still looking forward to this game being one of those ones that is like hey check out what sony's doing they're continuing to make very good exclusive content that you haven't seen before for sure yeah, I'm excited to see how that shakes out as well. Exciting times. I like I I was thinking about this today. I think I mean like I know like a lot of games are getting pushed, but I think 2018 might eclipse 2017 in terms of like exciting gaming developments. And 2017 was fucking huge. So, I don't know. It's going to I think E3 is going to be really big this year. So, we'll see. Well, folks, that was patch notes 6.07 point one eight where we update you on the gaming news that broke since last we spoke so before we close it out ladies and gentlemen we always like to give a highlight to a member of our community who's doing rad shit this week's community shout out goes 
to Liu Kang19, who just joined our Discord community just a few days ago, uh, found us on Spotify, liked what they were hearing, and jumped on into our Discord. So thanks for hanging out with us, Liu Kang. I almost said Liu Kang69. That's not right at all. <laughs> so thanks for hanging. So thanks for hanging out with us, Liu Kang19. Always happy to have another Mortal Kombat player in the Discord and chat about Mortal Kombat stuff. Thanks for being part of our community and hanging out with us. We appreciate it. So with that, I hope you enjoyed episode 32 of the Omer Gaming Podcast as much as we enjoyed making it for you. If you like what you're hearing, head on over to whatever platform you listen to podcasts on, whether it's Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, and everything in between. And let us know how we're doing. Throw us a rating. Leave us a comment. And if you feel so inclined, if you want to help us grow, and if you want to help us produce the very best content we can possibly produce, find us at patreon.com slash gaming. Throw us a buck because it goes a super long way. Look forward to next week, episode 33. We will be joined by Jimmy Good from the Critical Reviews podcast. And we're going to be doing some E3 reactions. So look forward to that. A lot of exciting things happened at E3, and we're going to have a great conversation about them. So uh, so look forward to that and get hyped. But until then, as always, folks, wherever you are and wherever you're listening from, we really appreciate you, and I promise we'll talk to you very soon. Manny looks like one of those people who gets interviewed in a documentary who kind of wants to remain anonymous. <laughs> Very dark. <laughs> Please, are you going to change my voice? <laughs> yeah, and I saw him in the parking lot and I killed him. It wasn't self-defense. <laughs> Can you tell us what happened the night of the murder?